All right. How many of you can finish this phrase? I think we know it well. The spirit is willing, but the guys got it. You got an A for today. Okay. So you can all go home now. Um, Yeah. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know who said that? Anybody know who said that? Oh, okay. Now, okay. You just dropped down to a B now. Okay. Uh, actually, Jesus said that. Let me give you the context of what uh, Jesus said that. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's, he's praying with his disciples. Um, this is just before he's going to get ready to go to the cross. And uh, so he, he leaves the disciples for a little while and he comes back and he finds the disciples just deep in prayer, seeking God with all their hearts, right? Remember the story? No, what, what does he catch the disciples doing? They're sleeping, right? They're, they're snoozing. They're, they're, they're taking a nap. And so it's during this occasion um, that Jesus says uh, the, the spirit is willing, but, but the, the flesh is, is weak. And it's not that necessarily Jesus was getting down on them, but it was, it was really kind of a warning to them to, to always be alert, to be awake. And how many know that we... In our lives, especially, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, um, our life is a battle. And, and there's, this, there's this desire within us, and we've been talking about this as we've been uh, starting this new series. We started last week. Uh, we're looking uh, in, in the eighth chapter of Romans, and, which I love this chapter. And we're going line by line through this whole chapter. And, and it's a series called I'm New Here. So whether or not you're new to Uh, following Jesus, or maybe you're just kind of checking everything out, or maybe you've been following Christ for a while. This, this chapter is amazing because it's so helpful in our walk with the Lord of, of the things that we just battle with daily. It's so relevant to what we go through in our lives. And Paul is just very honest with the things that we struggle with uh, as, as we walk with Christ. And how do we um, battle uh, these desires in our lives, the battle to to want to do what is right and follow Christ, but then we got this flesh that we 're still walking in and, and battling sometimes our our old person, our old man, the things that we used to do, and you 're like, man, why do I still have these thoughts? You know why do I still struggle with the same things that I struggled with even before I was a Christian? Can I just be honest with you? Welcome to life. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, we're going to, if you think that uh, being a Christian is easy, you signed up for the wrong thing. How many know that it's a battle and that we're going to struggle with these desires the rest of our lives? But Paul gives us hope here. Paul gives us hope for this battle that we have with the flesh and the spirit. And, And how do we become people that yield to the spirit to allow the power of God uh, to be uh, to well up in our lives so that so that we can walk um, yielding our life to the spirit so we don't have to necessarily give in to those fleshly desires that we gave into before we do the Lord and so there's hope but there's that there's that battle um, between the flesh and the spirit and there's things that always tempt us now I'm just going to be brutally honest with you and I'm going to share um, one of my greatest temptations one of my greatest temptations are cookies I, I'm not a much of a cake man, but you make a good chocolate chip cookie, I'm done. I mean, I just, I love snickerdoodles, any kind of cookies, Christmas cookies. I'm just, I'm in. When you make a cookie, I'm just, I'm there. And probably one of my greatest weaknesses is the Wegmans Ultimate Chocolate Chip Cookie. 
They cost like $50 for like three of them, but it's well worth it, by the way. Now, here's the thing with the, with the ultimate chocolate, Legman's ultimate chocolate chip cookie. Here's the, here's the deal. Now, don't judge me, okay? So stop judging me right now. Don't judge me. I, it, it says right on the package how much each one is, it has calories. Each cookie is like 8,000 calories. So I see it. And they give you the warning. It's right there. The warning is on. I listen. When I go to buy Wegman's Ultimate Chocolate Chip Cookies, I just don't buy three. I buy they sell them in tubs now, just big barrels of cookies. So I just buy those. And and it says right on the label, it gives you a warning label on these. Now, each cookie is like I don't know, 180 calories, whatever it is. And you think I would just eat one, knowing. The warning with the calories, right? No, I don't eat one. I, I eat like eight. So don't judge me, but that's, I just, that's, I just, that's my weakness. My weakness is these things. And, and we know better. We, we live with this constant battle of our flesh and, and know what we shouldn't do. But then it's so easy at times to give into that flesh. And this is something that Paul says is a reality for those that are in Christ Jesus. We know we shouldn't overindulge, but many times we do. And so um, we're, we're specifically looking at chapter 8 of Romans. And this is so foundational to our walk with Christ. It shows us how we can grow in Christ, uh, how to understand who we are in Christ. It helps us to battle with our selfishness. It gives us hope to overcome the guilt of our past. And that's what we talked about last week in the first four verses. It will show us how to have peace in the midst of trials. So if you're new to Christianity or you're looking into it, Paul gives us some great understanding on what it means to be a follower of Christ. And what does a follower of Christ actually looks looks like? And it, it gives us just a reality check for all these things. So what I want to do is I want to look at Romans um, chapter 8. And I want to look at verses 5 through 17 today. And what Paul is going to do here is he's going to look into this battle that we have with the flesh and spirit and, and how do we rightly walk in the spirit of Christ. Um, we, we understand through what the scriptures tell us that, that when we come to Christ, there's this great transformation that happens. It's just not a mind thing. It's not just an intellectual thing where I'm like, okay, intellectually, um, I can understand what Jesus did, that he rose from the grave, that he's the son of God. Okay, intellectually, um, I accept Christ. But there's a great transformation that happens not only intellectually, but it happens in our heart. And what happens is there's a heart change. And what happens is now of, from us coming to Christ and putting our trust in Christ Jesus, what happens is, is God now fills us with his spirit, with his power. And Paul does such a wonderful job explaining exactly what happens to a Christian. Being a Christian is so much more than just coming to church on Sunday morning or just reading your Bible. That's all part of it. But it's so much more than just doing that. It's so much more than just being religious and checking the religious box and saying, okay, I went to church. It's actually a transformation that happens in your heart. And God actually fills you with his spirit and gives you something that you could never gain on your own. And this is the wonderful thing about following Jesus Christ is there's actually this born-again thing that happens in your life. There's a transformation that happens. And the only thing I can tell you as a 16-year-old punk teenage kid who my parents dragged me to church and I was like, this is the last place I want to be on a Sunday morning is church. But my parents said, this is what we do as a family. So you're going to come to church with us. And if you're, if you're good in the service, right, we'll take you out to breakfast after and we'll let you get whatever you want on the menu. So 
I said, all right, that's a good deal. So I always get the steak and eggs, the most expensive thing on the menu. And I said, okay, this is a good deal for me, so I'm going to do this. But all of a sudden, as I kept going, I kept hearing the word of God. And I'm like, hmm, the people around me seem a little different. They, they actually seem excited to be here. What's up with that? I mean, usually you go to church and it looks like people are like, man, this is something I got to do. When is it over? Let me keep checking my watch here. When is it over? Because the church that I grew up, grew up in 58 minutes. Boom, and we we're done. You could count it. So I'm like counting the, you know, it was a big countdown. 58 minutes, boom, you were done. You walked out the door and you did whatever you wanted to do and you could live like the devil the rest of the week. But anyways, so here's the thing. Something changed. And something changed in me when I began to hear the beautiful gospel message of Jesus Christ. And then when I came to Christ, it was all of a sudden this, this transformation happened in my life. And now, like, I wanted to go to church. My parents didn't have to wake me up. I wanted to be there, something. And all I could tell you is I was blind and now I could see. And it's only through the transformational power of God's Holy Spirit that made that difference in my life. Because it wasn't Barger Race. I wasn't, there's no way I could have intellectually have done that. It was through the power of God that changed my heart. And now I wanted to come. So listen to what Paul says here. These are great words. So let's, let's jump into God's word here. You can, you know, if you want to look at it in your Bibles, there's Bibles in the seats of, of your chairs there. If you don't have one, that's our gift to you. You can keep that. But let's look at what Paul says here. And this is so true. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your spiritual nature control your mind leads to what? It leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Hmm, This is real. Now he even gets deeper here. Listen to what he says. He's encouraging those that are listening here, those Christians that are listening. He says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. And if you have the spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your bodies will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus, this verse is so encouraging. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you now. The spirit of God, which was in Christ Jesus that raised him from the dead, now lives in you. Just, and just as God um, raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Boy, that gives us a lot of hope, doesn't it? That explains a lot of things about life after death and what happens after we die. And even though we die, these words of Jesus come true to us that you will live and that these mortal bodies will take on immortality. That which was corrupted will take on incorruption. I will be six foot ten, dunk a basketball. I'm looking forward to my new heavenly body. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Now there's the power of the spirit within us now that gives us hope for if you live for if you live by its dictates you will what die but if through the power of the 
spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory but if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his sufferings. Boy, Paul just lays it right out there. What, what it truly means to be a Christian, what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. It's one who has been changed by the spirit of God. It's not one who goes to church or went through some confirmation classes. None of those things are bad within themselves. But a follower, a child of God, Paul says, is one who's been changed by the spirit of God that now lives in you, that you are now children of God. So let's break this thing down because there's a lot of verses here. And so let's get Paul's meaning here. I want to give you the overarching theme of Paul's words. Paul's overarching words here is a life that is, that is in Christ is a life that is now actually led by the spirit. And what this does is it creates a change in mindset. So this is what it does. A life that is in Christ is completely changed. It's now led by the spirit, which actually creates a change in my mind. It changes a, a, a different way that I think, the way that I look at the world now. A life that is led by the spirit, there is this mind change. Now, that doesn't mean that we still don't struggle with my old life, there's going to still be that battle. But he says, now there's a mindset. Now I have a decision. Do I yield to the spirit or do I yield to the flesh? And he says, within the power of God and the power of the spirit within us, we can now actually yield to the spirit of Christ. That it's not me picking myself up by my bootstraps. It's actually me depending on the power of God within me to please God. And so it changes actually the way we live. It changes the way we live. What you yield to in your life, Paul says, is this. What you yield to in your life will either produce life or death. The choices we make have consequences. And so what Paul does, he says, listen, a life that is led by the spirit leads to life. It's that life within you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that conquered death, now lives in you. That's the hope of glory within every single believer, that this world isn't all that there is. So Paul lays it out perfectly for us in Romans eight seventeen, where he says, listen, you're co-heirs with Christ. The, the same glory, the, 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 the same entitlements and inheritance that was given to Christ because of his faithfulness to God is now yours in Christ Jesus. But guess what? We're going to have to suffer. That, that, that Christ did suffer. And so in this world, we will suffer. We will go through trials. But our hope isn't in this world or in the trial that we're in. The hope is that the spirit of God now lives within us. And the hope is that he will give us new bodies. That we will live with him forever. That sin no longer dominates us. The sin that leads to death and alienation from God for eternity is now broken because of what Christ has done for us. 
And the only way you can obtain that is through your faith in Christ Jesus, not yourself. Our hope is in Christ and what he's done, so, and what he's done for us. So we fall on his hope, or we fall on, on, on his mercy and grace, and then we find hope in our lives, knowing that this isn't all that there is. So no matter what we go through in this world, we have this hope that it's just for a short time. That the suffering is just momentary in comparison to what God has in eternity for all believers. So we need to ask ourselves, here's what I need to ask ourselves. This is a good self-reflection on, you know, am I I being led by the spirit of God? Is is the spirit of God in my life? Am Am I yielding to those things? We need to ask ourselves, what do I spend most of my time thinking about? What, what, are, what are the things that I'm thinking about? And we have to understand that the mind is a very powerful, powerful thing. Are, are you a person that's always thinking about the worst case scenario? Right? The, the, you know, just the, the, when something happens, you just automatically go to the worst case scenario. Case scenario. Maybe you're a person when, you know, you, you kind of tend to fill in the gaps uh, and lean towards the worst thing. You're kind of that gap filler and it's always negative and it's always the worst thing. You know, um, we've all done this on occasion when uh, we don't hear the whole story and then we begin to fill in the gaps with negative things only to find out that we're way off base. It's, it's easy to think the worst in people. And the reason why we may think the worst in people is for, for the simple fact that, that we're not walking in the spirit of love or, or we're struggling with forgiveness or grace. You see, Paul tells us, that a mind that is set on the spirit is one of life and peace. But the mind that is set on the flesh is one of death. See, the spirit brings life into our lives. And it's so easy for me, I'll just point the finger at me, just to rely on the flesh so many times, to try to figure out in my own mind, God, how are you going to work this out? Or what can I do to help you, God, to get this thing moving on a little bit quicker? You know, you're not, you're not answering my prayers fast enough. And, and, and we tend not to look. It's so easy to look with fleshly eyes in so many different situations. When you see someone in the world and they just look angry and they look upset, Right? My first reaction is, man, that person is messed up. You know, man, that person needs Jesus. You know, and, and it's easy to judge them real quickly. And all of a sudden you get to know that person. You realize, oh, wow, this person had a really rough upbringing. Or this person, I didn't realize what they were going through. And all of a sudden it starts to give you compassion. All of a sudden God allows you through his spirit to look through the lens of his spirit and not your flesh. And all of a sudden, you start to get compassion for people. And you have a deeper love for people. And you try to understand people and where they're coming from instead of just simply judging people from the surface or maybe just their first reaction on what you see. That you don't realize that maybe something deeper is going on in their life. And God is trying to use you to speak to their heart. See, only the Spirit of God can do that. See, we're so quick to judge. You know, it, I wasn't going to say this, but let me just, can I just say something this morning, Okay. This is uh, my expired orange juice speaking this morning. But let me just say this, okay? Um, I, I think we're, it's interesting when we see something happen in our world and we see um, somebody cheating or somebody doing something wrong. And now we have, you know, we have social media and we have everything else. And all of a sudden it's like, it's amazing how we just, we all want justice. We all want, hey, 
you know, I'm speaking about people in the world. And we all want made. We've got to make this right. This is wrong. This is wrong. Everybody. And we just want to just yell at the top of our lungs how, how wrong that is. And then all of a sudden, when I feel myself getting that way, when you just see something that's wrong, you're like, that's wrong, you know. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak up for injustice. But it's interesting that when we look back at our own heart and we say, hmm, I'm just as much as a sinner as anyone else. I've lied to you so many times, God. I falsified things about my life. Tried to make myself look better in front of people. Blatantly said lies to somebody just to make myself look better. It's interesting when we begin to reflect and we allow the spirit of God to speak to our hearts and our lives. It's interesting how the truth, when we speak the truth to ourselves, how God changes us by his spirit. To give us a better lens to look through when we're looking at the world. And it's easy for me just to get upset without first filtering my life through the gospel message of saying, God, you saved me a sinner. You saved me by your grace. And that, let, let that grace and forgiveness to flow to people who really screwed up because I, I screw up all the time. Amen? Amen? I, I think a follower of Jesus Christ should be the living example of what it means to show grace and mercy to a lost and dying world who so desperately needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. Through, through someone who God has shown grace to, that I am no better, that I was an object of God's wrath, but through his grace and his mercy, he saved me. So when I, when I sense myself, I'll speak to myself, when I sense myself getting all heated up and like, yeah, you know, and so many times I get that way because it makes me feel better, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you feel better when someone really screws up and you're like, ah, look at them. Look at the world. Look at, look at how they cheated on that. Blah, 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 blah. And then when I keep talking like that, I'm trying to make myself feel better. But all of a sudden, the spirit of God has his way in my heart, in my life. And all of a sudden, he's saying, Barden, you're no better. Oh, man, I don't want to hear that, God. I want to hear that I am better, Right? But we're not. We're not. And only the Spirit of God can do that. So how do we correctly battle our thoughts? This, this, is, this is what Paul digs into. How do we correctly battle our thoughts? Well, let me, let me give you something here. First of all, give, give careful attention to what we're setting our minds on and more importantly, what's coming out of your mouth. Ooh. Everybody say, ouch. Okay, so see, what, what comes out of our mouth is actually a product of what's coming out of our hearts. So when you say something and you say, oops, I didn't mean to say that, you did say it. And we can easily cast out by saying, well, I was just mad or they did it to me or it's the world and I can't stand media anymore and it's people on Facebook, right? And we, but when it comes out, there's something going on in our hearts. So the first thing you say is don't blame anybody else. Just say, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did that come from? And it's coming from somewhere in your heart. Something that is not being dealt with. That's the place that God wants to go to in your life. 
That's the place that God wants to deal with. Because we can, listen, we all have filters and we all know what's wrong. We all say, man, I shouldn't have said that. And I feel bad about that. But something broke through that filter and it came out of your mouth. So there's something deeper that's going on in your heart that actually God wants to deal with. So, so think for a moment, where does my mind tend to drift? Am I giving careful attention to, to what's you know, really coming out of my mouth? Is it, is it negativity? Is it judgmental? Is it, is it, am I being controversial just to be controversial? Um, it, it, you know, or is my ambition to lead to reconciliation and peace? See, see what, what's... what's What's going on? I heard this story of a conversation between two people and they were, they would always get together for lunch and they were, it was very negative, negative lunches. Just always, they would talk about other churches and other ministries and other people and they would just feed off each other. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. Until one day this one person just felt convicted about it. And these, these two people were really good friends. And the one person said to this, this other gentleman, say, hey, we're friends, right? And he goes, yeah. He goes, geez, I just... I feel convicted about always getting together for lunch. And we just had these really negative conversations. Actually, I walk away not encouraged. But I actually walk away from our lunches and our coffees kind of with a heavy spirit. Because it seems like all we do is just, it's just, you know, just complain and just gripe and just negative things. And we bash other ministries and other churches and other Christians. And he goes, after a while, he goes, it's just, it's not edifying to me at all. And I just don't want to. And the other guy says, what do you what are you talking about? We're, we're, we're speaking truth. We're blah, 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 blah. And this one gentleman, because he knew him so well, he goes, then why don't you get your marriage in order then? You seem to be speaking truth to everybody else except yourself. And he goes, I know that you're married, and I love you, and I'm friends with you, and we have a lot of lunches together and coffee together because I know your marriage is a train wreck. Why don't you go work on your marriage? Well, that guy picked up, and he broke relations with this guy and didn't talk to him again <laughs> you see that's where that's where god wants to go that's where the battle of our mind and our flesh is it's so easy to hide behind the skirt of screaming and yelling at the world when god says i want to speak to your heart first i, I want to see what's going on in there and when a life is controlled by the spirit, and I'm not, we all struggle with that, but when a mind's controlled by the spirit, you allow the spirit to have control of your thoughts and your attitudes and what needs to be checked and what needs to be brought back under the will of God. See, I like what Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is negative and dishonorable Right? What does he say? Fix your, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent, worthy of praise. See, what Paul is saying is we, we see a mind that is changed when the spirit has control over it. So, so what, what are some other things that happen? What, 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 are, the, what are the evidence of a, of a life changed by God's spirit? And, and what begins to happen is there's a lot of things that happen. A, 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 a life being led by the Spirit actually creates a change in actual desire. See, it actually, it actually changes our, our, our conduct and what we strive after. Um, we, we all know, we all, peer pressure is just not for, for kids or teenagers. We all adults to deal with peer pressure too and, 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 and 
trying to, to fit in with those around us and maybe allowing things to, to slip into our hearts and our lives that ought not be there because we just don't want to look different or we don't want to, you know, we don't want people making fun of us because we're followers of Jesus, whatever that may be. But, but does our language and the way we conduct ourselves show a life that is seeking to please God? And I'm not talking about being perfect, but are my desires to please God or man? And I think it's good for us to have a check of our desires. You know, is it, is it my desire to come to church to be seen or to worship God? Is our desire to, to giving to God out of my um, devotion to the Lord, out of my generosity because I want to give to the Lord, or is it simply about maybe a tax deduction? Um, is our desire to serve God for me or to really worship God? Is our desire to worship God... Um, the, the thing that, that drives me, that, that that's my desire. God, I, I want to please you in the way I live my life. And, you know, it should be our desire that when we serve God, we do it out of a heart of joy. And, um, we, we, you know, we shouldn't say that, that I have to serve or I have to give, but that I want to give. I, I want to serve because you've changed my desires You've, you, the gospel message transformed my heart because now I realize the grace that was poured out into my life that I didn't deserve or earn. And, and the desire begins to change where now I want to serve, not because I have to, not because it looks good, not because I'm trying to impress other people, but Lord, I want to please you now. I want to serve you out of a heart of gratitude. Um, the other day, my son Wesley, he's home from college, and we, he has, like, he didn't have any clothes. He's a big boy, Wesley. You know Wesley. He's, like, 6'2", about 230. He's a big boy. He's always been big. He's always had a little gut, even over his diaper. He had this little gut over his diaper and just walked around, you know. He was a swimmer, too. That was hilarious, and his little Speedo trunks on and up on there. He was just intimidated. The kids just look at him, you know, and here is this huge kid, like, okay, you need to be playing football, not swimming. And... um you know, we, did, we took him out to get him some jeans and stuff for school. And we're in the car and it just says, Mom and Dad, thank you. I know it was just, you know, was, you feel like, well, it's your parents' duty to help your kids out. And you're a poor college kid, right? But it was just so nice just to hear thank you. You know, I've got to check myself. Say, God, when's the last time I just said thank you to you? Like, just thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I know I've been saved since 1982, but I never want to take that for granted, what you did for me. See, it changes our desire. It changes, the, the Spirit of God changes our desires to one of, of selfishness, to actually gratitude for what you've done for me. That, that, the desire changes that, God, I don't deserve a thing. I don't deserve anything. You, you gave me everything. I didn't merit your love or your goodness. None of these things I ever deserve, but you poured your grace out on me. So being led by the spirit creates a change in your whole perspective of life. Um, I was talking with someone a couple of months ago about a tension in their workplace and tension over layoffs. And everybody was real nervous and, Many were asking this one person why he wasn't in a frenzy. 
But, you know, they're like, man, you know, there's layoffs. You know, you might be on the chopping block. Aren't you worried about all these things? And it, 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 it wasn't that he wasn't concerned or wasn't thinking about it, but he had a peace. And he knew God would take care of his family because God took care of them in the past and he would take care of them in the future. And so the spirit of God gave this family peace, knowing that God would take care of them. See, the spirit gives us a different perspective, a peace that God is in control. Our future is in heaven and we have a confidence that this world isn't all that there is. So, you know, I I don't know about you, but when the uncertainties of life happens, it's easy to turn to the flesh to try to figure it all out. And the result of that is worry and anxiety and fret. But God gives us something different. He gives us the peace through the indwelling presence of the spirit that we can now turn to prayer. That we now have this vehicle that we can turn to God and say, God, I'm going to give you these anxieties and these worries. And the word of God says to cast all your anxieties upon him because he actually cares for you. Um, Philippians 4, 6. I love it. I have to speak it to myself all the time because I'm, I'm a worrier. Uh, what does Paul say? He says, do not be anxious about anything. Or don't worry about anything. But in every situation, um, the Greek there for every situation is actually every situation. So just if you know, if you want to know the Greek there, it means every situation. Um, By prayer and petition, with what? I love that. You you give it to the Lord. You just thank the Lord. Say, God, I thank you. I'm, I'm going to give you this request. This is what I'm going through. But I'm going to thank you in advance. I'm going to thank you in advance. He says, present your request to God. And what happens? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You're like, I don't know why I'm having a peace. I shouldn't have peace. There is no way in this circumstance that I should have peace. But all of a sudden, I have this peace that transcends all understanding. And not only that, but he says, I'm going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what prayer does. That's what a life living by the Spirit does. It doesn't mean we're never going to worry or that we're never going to go through difficult circumstances. But when we do, we can take that anxiety, we can cast it upon the Lord, and he will give us his peace, knowing that he is in control. The Spirit gives us a different perspective. It reminds me of a story that I heard of these 90-year-old guys that would get together. And all these guys lost their spouses, so they get together for, for coffee, and they would talk with each other, encouraging each other. And one day they're all drinking coffee, and they were, one of the guys, is, he says, you know, man, my arms are so weak, I can hardly pick up this cup of coffee. And another guy said, yeah, my arthritis is so bad, I can't even turn my neck to even ask for another cup of coffee. And then another one said, yeah, I can't even remember when I ordered my cup of coffee. When did, when, did I, when did I do that? And then another guy says, man, I can't even see my coffee. And then the last guy says, you know what? Thank God we all can still drive. <laughs> you see, <laughs> you see, it's all about perspective, isn't it? It really is all about perspective. Having the right perspective. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have problems in life and we're, you know, uh, but it's all about perspective. And, and through God's spirit, he gives us hope. See, being indwelt by the spirit 
changes the trajectory of our lives. It changes everything. See, now I no longer want to live by the flesh, even though I do still battle with the flesh. I now see my life as one that wants to please God. I want to serve and, and, and make the lives of others better. That, that, better. that doesn't mean that I don't struggle. That means I'm not going to fall at times. But it's the spirit of God in me that, that, that reminds me to see beyond myself. That, Barton, you messed up, but there's forgiveness in me. Come back to me. Find forgiveness in me. And this, this is where we just change our mindset about life. And, and we now see serving as a privilege and not an obligation. It just changes the whole trajectory of your life. It changes the way that you look at people, the way you care for people, the, the hope that you have for your future. It just changes everything, Paul says. But here's the last thing I just want to dig into and just close with. I love this last part that Paul talks about. He says, being indwelt by the Spirit creates literally an identity change. And, and I think if there's anything in our world today is that we've lost our identity. We just lost who we are. People just don't know who they are anymore. I, people, they just, they, we've lost who we are and people are striving to find their identity in things that don't last. And when those things are taken away from them, it reveals what we're trusting. And that's why there's so much insecurity and broken relationships because we don't understand what our roles are. We're putting our hope and trust in things that are feeble that won't last. And here's the thing. When, when the spirit of, of Christ comes within you, it changes your identity. It's not, it's not that, listen, I'm not going to be a pastor forever, right? I, I'm not going to be a pastor in heaven. I'm going to be with you worshiping Christ. He's called us to be worshipers of him. That's your ultimate calling. And I think so many times we put our identity in our kids. And so then when our kids don't turn out the way we want, we're, we, it, it tanks us. It, 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 it causes us to, 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 to be in despair. Or maybe we have to have a job change or this didn't work out. We live in a very uh, volatile job market where you may have to switch gears later on in life to do something different. Where years ago you worked at the same place forever. And, and you retired there and they gave you a nice watch and a grandfather clock and have a nice retirement, right? Those days are, are long gone. And so it's like, where are we putting our identity? And this is, this is what is so wonderful. Paul says, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit, which, which when he adopted you as, as his own children, now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are now God's children. This is wonderful. The spirit of adoption shows that we were originally spiritual orphans and that we were slaves to sin and that we we're looking to the things of this world to complete us or to make us feel valuable about our lives. None of us are naturally born into God's family. God chooses to adopt us. Our adoption is done through the Father. And when we come into relationship with Christ Jesus, God gives us the spirit to confirm that we are now children of God. So our adoption, here's the wonderful thing. Our adoption is not earned through works or anything that I can do. Our adoption is simply received by coming to God. In fact, in the Roman culture, this is really cool. In the Roman culture, someone could adopt someone. Maybe, maybe there's an heir and they, they wanted to pass off their inheritance to someone else. And the adoption of the Roman culture was really interesting because when when someone was adopted, if they came into that uh, family with debt, the debt was completely paid off. 
uh, when they would come into that new relationship, they were given a, a, a new name and they received the full benefits as if that child was naturally born. Everything changed for that person. Now, what Paul does, he takes it even a step further. Because how many know that our debt is canceled? Our sin debt is canceled. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus, right? Our sin debt is canceled. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, we're, we're, given a, we're, we're, we're given a new name. We're, we're, we're a new creation. Behold, all things become new, Paul says. And we're given this new birth. But here's what Paul does. Paul takes it a step further. Not, not, it's not just a legal tra- uh, transaction that happens like we would see in an adoption. But actually, it's a personal one. Paul says this. In this new relationship, we now cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is Aramaic. It's a very personal name for God. It, it's actually a term of familiarity. Like, I know you. I know you so well that you can call me daddy. I don't care about you. I love when my kids call me daddy, especially when they're young. That, that was their first word. They call me daddy before they call Kathleen mommy, which I thought was real good. No, I'm just teasing. Um, see, what that literally means is what Paul is saying here is when the spirit of God is in you, it now confirms with God's spirit that we indeed are now children of God. That we don't have to fear God anymore. We don't have to worry about God's wrath being poured out on us because of our sin. There's this relationship. We have that full inheritance that we are now co-heirs with Christ. That we can come to God without any hesitation or reservation. And, and I have to admit, I love when my kids were younger. Um, and when I would come home, they would say, Daddy! You know, and they would jump in your arms. And now they're all older. And the only person that runs to the door to, to greet me is our dog, Tulip. That's it. So I'm, I'm down to Tulip, which is it's nice. You know, I like Tulip, and she licks my face, and she's glad to see me. But here's the thing I want you to see. God accepts us. He says, come as you are. But the flesh reminds us of our past and our failures, and what it actually does is it keeps us enslaved to the past. But being a child of God, even though I may wrestle with the flesh, It reminds me, though, that I'm a child of God, that I can come to the Father, and I can find healing and forgiveness. See, the Spirit sets us free to be the people of God that He wants us to be. And here's what it looks like. A child of God, in that relationship that we have with Abba Father, there's joy. You know, God is pleased with you. Some of you need to hear that today. How many of you ever just feel like a screw up and just feel like, man, I make so many mistakes? I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, there's joy in that relationship that you have with the Father and that he loves you. He will correct us. Praise God. How many of you know we do, do need correcting from time to time? Like me, every day, right? We do need correcting. Barden, don't eat that second ultimate Wegmans chocolate chip cookie, right? Um, but it's because he loves us. He's not a mean father who constantly points his finger at your chest and tells you that you're no good, you're no good. 
but he's one that says, I've given everything for you so that you could have a loving relationship with me that says, I want you to change, not, not because um, you're going to try to please me more or that through your performance, you're going to, I'm going to love you more. That's not the relationship we have with God is an unconditional one where he accepts you even in your frailties, even when you mess up. He still loves you. Jesus paid all that for you. Now, does he want us to live holy lives and be separate from the sin? Yes. Why? Because he knows that thing will destroy and eat away at the relationship that he desires to have with us. But if I mess up, I know that my father, that my Abba Father will forgive me. I love that song, Good, Good Father. We're not going to sing it. We're going to sing a, a different song in closing today. But I love that song, Good, Good Father, because he is good. And listen, some of you here today, you may not have the great example of an earthly father, but I want you to know you've got a perfect example and a heavenly one who receives you and loves you and has done everything possible through his son Jesus to reach you. And I want you to know that he says, come to me through Christ and I I will adopt you as one of my own not just legally, but relationally. You are mine. Everything changes. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So I want to pray for you, and we're going we're gonna to close in kind of an upbeat song today because I, I, I want you to just, I love the words of this song of how God sets us free and that we're child, as a child of God, everything changes. So would you just pray with me? Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I just want to pray for you just for a moment. And um, this is just between you and the Lord. How many of you would say, just with your heads bowed today, Pastor Barden, would you just just pray for me today? I'm, I'm really struggling with this identity thing of being a child of God. I just feel like maybe, maybe it's my past is too difficult or maybe you're walking in that performance thing with God to try to please him and you just feel empty because it's not working. I want to pray for you that you would just come to Christ today and realize it's through him that you find forgiveness. It's through him that you find acceptance, not through your performance, but through what Christ has already done for you. How many would say just by their raised hand, Pastor, just pray for me. That, that's, that's, thank you. Amen. Good. Good. God sees your heart. He does. And so, Father God, Abba Father, we come before you today. We're not worthy of any of your grace. But through your love, you did everything possible to reach us through your son, Jesus. And so I pray for every person here today that's just struggling maybe with their identity or struggling with who they are in you and maybe are trying to please you through works because maybe they had such a difficult upbringing or maybe a very performance-driven upbringing where everything was based on scores and achievements and all those things. And those things are not wrong in themselves to want to do well in this world. But the problem is when we strive after those things to find our significance and our identity, we fall short every single time. And so, Lord, I pray that we would find our identity in Christ and Christ alone. Every single person is looking to belong. That's why we join clubs. That's why we do sports. That's why, because we want to feel, we want to feel a belonging. 
And God, you did the ultimate force by allowing us to belong to you through your son, Jesus. And I pray we wouldn't sell ourselves short to looking to substitutes to try to find belonging because that can never solve our sin issue. Jesus is the only one that solved that sin issue and that longing to be forgiven. And so, Lord, we thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us. And I pray that you would speak that to every single heart here today. And I pray as we just sing this song now, we would make it our prayer today and that those uh, that are struggling with that and as we sing it, that, God, you would do that work in our heart to remind us that, indeed, we are your children today. And nothing can change that. Thank you for, thank you for adopting me. You're so good, God. We love you today, and we thank you. We're going to put our hope and our identity and our trust in you and you alone. For we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen? Amen. All right. That's what we're going to do. I want you guys to stand. If you can't sing, that's okay. God filters out all bad language in heaven. So I just want you to sing this at the top of your lungs. Let this be your prayer as we close today. God bless you guys.